Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi, and I want to say thank you so much for listening. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you. Thank you so much for coming back, and we have another episode in store for you. Be sure to give me a follow on TikTok and Instagram, as well as Apple Podcasts, and support my podcast by using the links in the episode description. Today, we're going to be talking about the tragic murder of child star Judith Barcy. This story to me is so tragic and so preventable. The fact that it still happened honestly just breaks my heart. I mean, Judith was just so young. She didn't deserve this at all in any way, and neither did her mother. So let's get right into the case. Judith Eva Barcy was born on June 6th, 1978 in San Fernando Valley, California. She was described as being a happy and very bubbly little girl. She had siblings from her parents' other marriages, so she wasn't the only child, but she was the only child of parents Joseph Barcy and Maria Barcy. Her parents were both Hungarian immigrants who separately fled Hungary during the Cold War. And Joseph was described as having a miserable childhood and came from a very broken home and was oftentimes ridiculed for this back in his homeland. He met Maria at a restaurant in California where she worked as a waitress. And soon after they married, but we're not really sure of the date of their marriage, but they both had been married before. So this was their second marriage. And it was said that the early years of their marriage were pretty happy, but Joseph had a bad temper and once he started to drink, it really started to show. Now, if there was one thing about Maria Barcy, it was that she loved the allure of Hollywood. She thought it was very glamorous, very classy, and she really wanted Judith to be a part of this. She wanted her to be famous. So she decided to teach her about poise, posture, manners, and voice control to kind of prep her for a career in Hollywood one day. She was a little bit of a stage mom before Judith even started acting, but she still wanted her to have a normal life. So in 1983, at five years old, Judith went to the San Fernando Valley ice rink with her mother, and she was actually mistaken as a three-year-old by a camera crew that was shooting a commercial there. And they immediately loved her look. They thought she was so cute. I personally think Judith was adorable. And she was cast in a Donald Duck orange juice commercial, and it became her first ever gig. And with that, she got more than 70 commercials during her lifetime, including commercials for Campbell Soup, Toys R Us, and Jif Peanut Butter. As the roles started to pour in, she hired a manager named Ruth Hansen to get more roles. And with that, Judith made her acting debut in 1984 on NBC's miniseries, Fatal Vision. And she played a little girl named Kimberly McDonald. The same year, she was on ABC's police TV series called Jessie. In 1985, she guest starred in CBS programs, Knott's Landing, The Twilight Zone, and ABC program, The Fall Guy. She was also featured in TV films, Kids Don't Tell, Do You Remember Love, and There Were Times Dear. In 1986, she got her first recurring role as Anna on NBC sitcom Punky Brewster. And then she got a few more small roles before she made her big screen debut in 1986 in an action drama called Eye of the Tiger. Just a year later, she landed her second big screen role in a film called Slam Dance. So Judith's career was slowly starting to take off. She was starting to gain a little bit of traction and the roles were becoming more and more 
more consistent. So as I said earlier, when she was first discovered, Judith was mistaken as a three-year-old at five years old because she was very short for her age. And this is because she had a growth hormone deficiency. Judith began taking hormone injections at UCLA because she was so short, but being short allowed her to play characters that were much younger than she actually was. So this kind of gave her a little bit more of a variety, but her mother wanted her to take these hormone injections for whatever personal reason they may have had. As I said, the roles were getting a lot more consistent and Judith was seeing some nice financial success. She was making $100,000 a year by the fourth grade. That is the dream, man. I'm 22 and I'm not making that money. Joseph, her father, he was still working as a plumbing contractor, even though Judith was making enough money to support the family. And this probably had something to do with pride. I guess he didn't want his daughter supporting the family. He felt a little bit insecure about that. So he still worked a nine to five. So Judith's income coupled with Joseph's income was enough for the family to buy a three bedroom house in Canoga Park in Los Angeles in 1985. And Joseph, as I said a little bit earlier, he was pretty resentful of her success. I'm assuming it was some sort of jealousy, which is so weird to be jealous of your own kid. Like, don't you want them to succeed? Because of this, he was verbally and physically abusive to both Judith and Maria. And it didn't help that he was also a raging alcoholic. Joseph was arrested three separate times for a DUI. And in December 1986, things came to a head when Joseph actually hit and tried to choke Maria in their home. Maria was scared for her life and she called the police and reported abuse and threats. But the investigation found no evidence of abuse and Maria later ended up dropping the charges anyway. After this incident, Joseph decided to stop drinking in order to gain Maria's trust back and get back in her good graces, but their marriage was never the same and Maria never forgave him for that night. They stayed together, but she never forgave him. And because Maria continued to hold this grudge against Joseph, he was very resentful of her and he continued to abuse her even though he had stopped drinking by this point. As time went on, Judith began to see more and more success, but she began missing a lot of school because of filming, but Maria never wanted this. So yes, Maria wanted Judith to be a part of Hollywood, but she still wanted her to live a normal life as much as possible. And she only let her miss school if it was absolutely necessary. But the more famous and the more roles Judith started to book, the more school she had to miss due to filming. In between 1987 and 1988, she appeared in two episodes of Fox's The Tracy Ullman Show. In 1988, she was featured on the show Growing Pains, NBC's Saint Elsewhere, and ABC's After School Special. So she was booking a lot of very consistent small roles. Even though Judith was starting to see success in her professional life, her personal life was very tumultuous. So Joseph Barcy had a friend named Peter Kivlin and Peter was Joseph's confidant and he reported saying that Joseph told him at least 500 times that he was going to kill Maria. And Peter asked him, what will happen to your little one? What will happen to Judith, your child? And little one was said to be a nickname that Joseph gave Judith. And when Peter asked Joseph what would happen to Judith, Joseph said, I gotta kill her too. Now, Judith was set to film for a movie called Jaws, The Revenge, and filming was in the Bahamas, and Judith was gonna go with her mother. Joseph was gonna stay back and work and watch the house. But before Judith and Maria left for the Bahamas for filming, Joseph threatened Judith with a knife. He held the knife to her throat and threatened to kill her if she didn't come home from the Bahamas. Pretty much saying, if you try to escape, I'm going to kill you. And she was only nine years old at the time, and she was threatened with a knife by her own 
father. It was around this time that Ruth Hansen, Judith's manager, noticed that Judith's mental state was declining because the abuse at home was just stressing her out more and more. So while Maria and Judith were away at the Bahamas filming, they decided to visit Maria's brother in Flushing, New York on their way home after filming had wrapped. While they were there, Joseph called and spoke to Judith and he pretty much said, remember what I told you before you left? Kind of referencing the conversation that they had had before where if you don't come home, I'm going to kill you. And Judith was absolutely terrified. She was hysterically crying and Maria decided to cut the trip short and go back home to not antagonize Joseph and make him any more angrier than he already was. But this didn't help anything. The abuse and constant threats just kept getting worse and worse and worse. All Joseph did was threaten to kill Maria, Judith, and himself and set the house on fire. He would even threaten Maria saying that he was going to kill himself and Judith and just leave Maria to suffer with the loss. And he threatened them with this on almost a daily basis. He also hid a message from one of Maria's family members back in Hungary, notifying her that a relative had passed away because he knew if Maria found out about it, she was going to want to go back to Hungary. And he didn't want her to leave because he was scared she wouldn't come back. He pretty much just hid this information from her, which is so controlling and so abusive. Later on, Maria ended up getting the news about her relative that had passed away over the phone. And she confronted Joseph because her family claimed that they had sent her a message saying that this relative had passed away. So she let Joseph know, where is this message? I didn't get it. And he denied that there was one, but eventually he did end up coming clean and he showed her the message that he got from her relative stating that someone did in fact pass away. And Maria always wanted to take Judith to Hungary in order to meet her relatives, but she knew that Joseph would never allow this. She was so afraid that if she even thought about taking Judith there, that he would burn the house down because he threatened it all the time. And the more successful Judith became, the more her father tried to control it. According to a neighbor of the Barcys, Maria had bought Judith a kite and Joseph grabbed it very aggressively while she was playing with it. And Judith warned her father that he would break it if he grabbed it like that. And Joseph decides to call Judith a spoiled brat who doesn't like to share. And he broke the kite into pieces. Like he literally smashed it. Just unnecessary ways to antagonize this little girl. It's almost like because he was so jealous of her success for as young as she was, he would try to find any little piece of joy she had to just completely crush it. Even something as small as a little kite that would make her so happy. He didn't care. Now, as I said earlier, Joseph was pretty upset with the fact that Maria never forgave him for the night that he tried to choke her. He decided to start paying attention to another woman to make Maria jealous. He starts buying her expensive gifts. He starts spending time with her, essentially cheating on Maria with this woman in order to get Maria to be jealous. So she would start kind of warming back up to him. But throughout this time, he was still mentally and physically abusing her and Judith. So I'm not sure why he thought she was just going to forgive him when he was still doing the same things. But Maria honestly didn't care that he was paying attention to another woman. If anything, she was glad that the attention was off of her because she wanted to leave him and he could tell and his resentment just grew and grew and the abuse continued to get worse. Judith even told her friends that her father threw pots and pans at her and made her nose bleed and she would tell them that she was scared to go home and that her dad was drunk every single day and she knew that her dad wanted to kill her mom. One time the Barcy family was having a party at their house when Joseph got jealous of Judith for I guess getting too much attention from the other guests. He wanted the attention on him and he got upset with Judith and she walked into the kitchen. Joseph followed behind her and he yanked her by her ponytail to the ground and called her a damn brat. Later on he apologized and got her a pink 
television set to make up for it. That's like classic abuser behavior. Doing something, apologizing for it, and then buying them a gift to negate this behavior. That's a very common tactic used by people that abuse others in order to gain their trust back. So as I said earlier, Joseph did stop drinking for a period of time, but that didn't last long. Once he saw that Maria wasn't going to forgive him, he just gave up on his sobriety and continued to have drunken fits of rage. Judith was becoming so stressed out about her horrible home situation that she began plucking her eyelashes out. She even pulled all of one of her cat's whiskers out and she started to gain a lot of weight because she just couldn't handle the stress of being at home and dealing with that emotional abuse from her father. Judith's mental state really came to a head when she had a mental breakdown right before she had an audition for a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven. And her manager, Ruth Hansen, she couldn't sit by anymore and say nothing after this mental breakdown. So she reached out to Maria and encouraged her to take Judith to a child psychologist to figure out if there was something they could do. And the child psychologist found severe physical and emotional abuse within Judith. And she decided to show her findings to CPS, but I guess because of client confidentiality, she wasn't able to tell them all of the details. She had no choice but to report that there was something going on on in the Barcy home. Eventually, the case was dropped after Maria told the caseworker, Ray Lamott, that she was getting a divorce and moving with Judith to Panorama City, LA. So they pretty much were just like, oh, okay, she said she's moving, that's fine, we'll drop the case, which makes no sense. Ruth Hansen specifically remembers CPS really doing nothing to help Judith and Maria. In May of 1988, Maria actually kept her word and she got her and Judith an apartment to kind of escape to during the day so they could be safe and just get a break from Joseph's abuse so they wouldn't raise any suspicions about where they were, they returned home at night and they continued to live at the house. Even though they would escape to the apartment during the day, they would come back to the home at night. And a lot of people in Maria's life really pushed her to leave Joseph. They were like, you need to go. This isn't safe for you and Judith. You have to leave. But she was very hesitant to leave Joseph. She was so afraid of him. As you can imagine, he's scary. When there's somebody that's constantly threatening to kill you, you're going to be scared of that person. And she really wanted to protect the family home and everything they shared in it. Maria knew that if she left, Joseph wasn't going to let her take anything. And she really valued the things in the home and the home itself. And she really didn't want to leave it because that was their home. People even offered to give Maria refuge. They said that they would hide her out in their home for a few days or for a few weeks, however long she needed if it meant she would get away from Joseph. But Maria was just too scared to take the leap. And just a week before all the tragic incidents occurred, Maria told her neighbor Eunice Daly, and this was the neighbor of the Barcy home, not of the apartment that her and Judith used to escape to. She told her neighbor, Eunice Daly, that Joseph was going to kill them and burn the house down. She was very sure of it. She was very terrified. She could just tell that things were getting worse and worse and worse. And that brings us to July 25th, 1988. Now, I want to give a quick trigger warning. I always do this in my episodes because I just want to keep it respectful of people's boundaries if they don't want to hear anything. We are going to be speaking about the death of a child. We're going to be speaking about suicide and homicide. So I just want to give a quick trigger warning and I will give you a timestamp in the description to skip ahead to if you don't want to hear the details of the case. So that day, July 25th, 1988, Judith had an audition with the Hannah Barber Productions Incorporation for a voiceover gig for a cartoon series, but she never showed up. So Ruth Hansen, who was there waiting for Judith, couldn't figure out why. So she called the Barcy home to see where Judith was. Joseph picked up the phone and he claimed that Maria and Judith had left for San Diego. And Ruth 
Earth was very confused. Two days later, on July 27th, 1988, at 8.30 in the morning, Eunice Daly, the neighbor that Maria had been confiding in the week before the tragic events, she was watering her garden outside when all of a sudden she heard a gunshot from the Barcy home and saw smoke rising. Immediately, she knew Maria was right. He did it. So she immediately ran inside and called 911. And a little before 9 a.m., firefighters showed up. They fought the fire and they were able to determine once they got in the house that the fire caused an explosion that blew out all the windows of the home. And inside of the Barcy home, they found the burned bodies of Judith, Maria, and Joseph Barcy. Judith was found in her bed with a gunshot wound to the head. Maria was found in the hallway and she also had a gunshot wound to the head. And Joseph was found in the garage with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And arson detectives found that Judith and Maria were both completely doused in gasoline. At this time, Judith was only 10 years old. Maria was 48 and Joseph was 55. So because the only people that were in the home at the time of the murders were all deceased, the exact events aren't known for sure. But police believe that Wednesday morning, July 25th, Joseph shot Judith in the head with a handgun while she slept in her bed. And Maria heard the shot and ran to Judith's room only to be shot in the hallway by Joseph. Joseph is then said to have spent two days in the house with both of their bodies. And on the morning of July 27th, he poured gasoline on them and set the house on fire. Then he went into the garage and shot himself in the head. On August 9th, 1988, Maria and Judith were buried at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Hollywood Hills, California. Their graves were actually unmarked until 2004 when a fund was set up by some of Judith's fans to get a headstone put on both of their graves. And the phrase, yep, 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 was put on Judith's grave. And that was the catchphrase of one of her most famous voiceover characters, Ducky. Joseph is said to be buried in an unmarked grave, but no one knows where it is. For some reason, it's not really known what happened to his body after police got a hold of it. I just think they didn't want to release that information in case somebody wanted to mess with his grave site. I'm not really sure. That information is not available. Some of you may be wondering, how was this even able to happen? I mean, they reported the case, they went to CPS, but the case was closed and nothing was ever done. And only a few months later, the entire family was dead. Well, Maria had gone to the Los Angeles County Department of Children's Services in May of 1988 after Ruth Hansen suggested that she be taken to a child psychologist. And the child psychologist then turned her findings over to CPS. And the case was closed only a month later and nothing was done. Because of this, people decided to kind of look into the LA County Department of Children's Services and their handling of the case. Helen Kleinberg, who was a member of the Watchdog Commission for Children's Services, decided to get the commission together and figure out what the hell happened. Why was this case not handled properly? And for the first time in the four-year history of the Commission for Children's Services, they were asked to review a case. And this was the first one. And after doing some investigating, they were not pleased. The Children's Services Department should not have closed the case based on Maria's request saying that, oh, we're going to get an apartment and I'm going to leave Joseph. They believed that Judith should have been the client, that Judith was the victim because she was the child. This was the Department of Children's Services. So why Maria was able to get the case closed based on what she told the caseworker about her marriage to Joseph didn't seem very plausible. It should have been about Judith and her well-being. And at that time, her well-being was at risk. But for some reason, that was 
wasn't made the priority of the case. And because of that, the case was able to be closed. LAPD detective Sandra Palmer, she investigated the killing of the Barcy family and she kind of came to the LA County Department of Children's Services defense a little bit, claiming that it's really hard for the social welfare system to deal with emotional abuse cases versus physical abuse cases because verbal assaults are much harder to track. And the majority of the time, Joseph was threatening Judith and Maria as opposed to putting hands on them. But he did that too. And he did it a lot. I mean, if you recall, he literally threatened Judith with a knife to her throat. That should have been grounds right there for Judith to have been removed from the home. But that's not what happened. I guess the Department of Children's Services felt like it was just too hard to track verbal threats. So they just were pretty lazy with the case. They struggled to handle it. So they just didn't, which is really sad because this honestly could have been prevented had they been more conscientious and demanded that Judith be removed from the home. Unfortunately, Judith's life was tragically cut short. She was really on the rise in her career. She was a bright, beautiful little girl. And unfortunately, the world isn't going to get to see what else she could have accomplished. Judith actually landed one of her biggest roles in 1988 called The Land Before Time. And she was the voice of Ducky the Green Sorolophus, which I guess is a kind of dinosaur. The catchphrase of this character was the one that would later be detailed on her gravestone because it was arguably her biggest role. Another one of her biggest roles was in All Dogs Go to Heaven and she was the voice of Annie Marie. Now this film was released in November 1989, the year after she died, and this would be the final role of her life. The last song in the movie, which is called Love Survives, was dedicated to her. I'm going to play a little clip of it. Now I know you're safe here in my Now this song supposedly wasn't originally in the movie, but after Judith passed away, the directors decided to put it in in her honor. So that song is specifically just for her. I mean, you know the meaning behind it. It makes it just sound so much more beautiful. So the Barcy home was actually featured on an episode of Murder House Flip, which is a show that focuses on taking homes that were the sites of very tragic murders and revamping them into something new and fresh. I guess because the people that live there kind of feel this dark presence and they feel as though spirits may be lingering. So they decide to get the house completely redone. And the Barcy home was featured in a three-part episode. The Bernal family was living there at the time and they had lived there for two decades. And they actually didn't know about the murder-suicide before moving in. I thought that was illegal. I thought if you were selling your home to someone and it was the site of a murder, you had to disclose that information. But I don't know if it's different by state or if that wasn't a thing at the time. I don't know, but I always thought that you had to let people know. The Bernal family felt like they were being watched in their home. They felt a very dark presence. Somehow, some way, they found out that this was the home where the Barcy double murder-suicide occurred. So they decided to get the home completely renovated. Judith's room was gutted and completely redone. And the hosts and the designers used amethyst crystals to redecorate the home because this is said to bring peace and tranquility and cleanse the home. And eventually, they felt like the bad energy was completely 
completely gone. Today, Judith Barcy would be 44 years old and her mother, Maria, would be 82. It's so sad that both of them were murdered by the man that was supposed to love and protect them. And this case to me really mirrors the Chris Benoit case that I just did an episode on. Um, go listen to that if you haven't already. It's honestly so heartbreaking. I literally can never understand why people murder their spouse and their own child. It makes no sense. I mean, Joseph took a vow to love and honor Maria as his wife. And yet he abused her emotionally, mentally, physically for years. And then ultimately he ends up killing her. Judith was supposed to be loved and protected by her father. I mean, she was in the show business world. Being famous, being well-known, that's the time that you want your support system. That's the time that you need your parents by your side to stick with you. And the fact that she was pretty much just thrown to the wolves and her father, if anything, made what was supposed to be a safe haven, a home, he made it somewhere that she wanted to escape and never be. And that to me is just so heartbreaking, especially for someone so young. My heart truly does go out to Judith and Maria as well as their relatives. The fact that they were taken from them so soon and so unnecessarily, it really breaks my heart and it really makes me angry. With that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to see you in the water soon.